Welcome to this week's episode of Cinematic Adventures. I'm Daniel and I'm from the future. <laughs> I'm Jackie and I'm from now. <laughs> um, and what we decided to do was to take all the experimental ideas that we were getting, that we were doing, uh, combine them so that we can talk about movies that we've seen and also have a weekly topic. So we're going to do uh, homework is going to be part of movies that we've seen. And we're going to give each other uh, one movie a week to watch. Sounds good. And then we're going to make a list based on a specific type of movie, whether it's a genre or an actor or whatever. How many people pronounce that word so weird? I hear a lot of people saying, how do you say it again? Uh, G-E-N-R-E. Pronounce that. Genre. Yeah, see, that, to me, it's pronounced genre. Ooh, fancy. Well, no, that's just the way I always heard it. And now, like, everybody's pronouncing it, like, genre. And I'm like, that's just weird and wrong. Maybe Uncultured swine. <laughs> weird and wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Yours does sound more fancy, though. Genre. I, it's weird. Like, it's, it's in the last year, I keep hearing genre. And I keep like, don't say that. Because I've always heard it as genre before. I'm, uh, I yeah. honestly, I'm hearing the same thing, except that mine is less French. It's yes, but it's more of a jarring. It's more of like like a J. It's almost like the way you say it starts with a J. Genre, as opposed to G, which would be genre. <laughs> that's, that's almost how I hear it with you. Like you guys start <laughs> to say jar, and then you're like ra. Jara. <laughs> My favorite genre is sci-fi. <laughs> no, it, my favorite genre is Sifi. Oh, Sifi. Oh. <laughs> um, we're idiots. <laughs> well, um, you never said we were... Well, I did, but I have an ego. Um, I have great news, by the way. What's the great news? Did you get lucky number seven? No! Sorry. It's still <laughs> arriving. <laughs> The great news is that uh, Fantastic Beasts, the third one, Fantastic Beasts, we're sorry about Crimes of Grindelwald, full title, <laughs> uh, has got Steve Cloves or Cloves or whatever, uh, co-writing it with J.K. Rowling. And he's, uh, he's a great person to have writing this because he's written pretty much every single Harry Potter movie. Okay. Um, Could you, uh, next time... Warn me so that I don't take a giant sip of water as you say <laughs> something completely insane. <laughs> the the warning is that I started talking. Oh, gotcha. Okay. <laughs> I don't know what I'm going to say before I say it. I so, think yeah. that was me. You're supposed to be the structured one. No, no. You told me that chaos is good. No, no, no. What I said is I am chaos. True. You're chaos. I'm order. You're joker. I'm Batman. Except that I'm not a miserable bastard. And I'm not a psychopath. So I'm 60s Batman, where he's just sort of chill. Rather than being Bat, rather than being Joker, I'd rather be Catwoman. You can definitely be Catwoman. If we're going to stick to DC rogues, you know, to the Batman rogues gallery, I'd rather be Catwoman. Because she kind of just does her own thing. And you yeah. can't really tell if she's going to be on the good side or the bad. She just, she just shows up and she's like, well, here I am. Deal with it. 
And when she's done, she's gone. She doesn't. She's just like, I'm out. And the <laughs> thing that I love about her is, even in the comics, she's still like that today. Oh yeah, she'll she's, show up. She's always Batman been like that. For like, she's always been like that. Since yeah, the and they, they never show. changed her. Like they never like she. From as far as I know, I haven't read like 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 she'll be Batman's like she'll she'll be right there with him through the hardest part. And then once it's over, she's gone. <laughs> like yeah so um to be a criminal again <laughs> and then, and then they, basically, a while. they basically had it for the 60s show where they made her like flirting with batman and stuff and that basically stuck throughout every incarnation of catwoman yes um so yeah fantastic beast 3 we're sorry for the crimes of grindelwald um <laughs> basically the entire article was an apology it's like we're hiring a co-writer someone who knows what the fuck they're doing um, because J.K. Rowling has great story ideas, can't write a screenplay. So that's good. This oh, reminds oh. me so much The Force Awakens. Uh-huh. Um, I was like, oh, you want you loved Star Wars, but you didn't like what Lucas did when he did when he did it himself, like with no one helping him. So we're gonna take Lucas's ideas and give them to actual screenwriters. Not that Lucas isn't a screenwriter, he's just we'll get into that when we talk to Star Wars, which is next month. Yeah, oh, yeah, we're we're gonna have somebody help them, like Lawrence Kasdan, and then we're gonna have somebody else direct it, and it's gonna be Star Wars, and it's like like that was the hype before The Force Awakens was like we're gonna take the bare bones, the story element that Lucas has, which is what he's the best at. He's the best at like creating the world, and then we're gonna have like other professionals come in and clean it up and put it on the screen. That's what we thought we were getting with The Force Awakens. I mean. Oh, that would actually be that. great. Um, so yeah, yeah so, of, so they're like, we're hiring co-writer, and also, you know, those two things that you liked about um, about Fantastic Beasts Two: The Crimes of Grindelwald. Um, we're bringing back sexy Dumbledore, and we're bringing back Hogwarts. You're welcome. Did you say sexy Dumbledore? Yes. Look at him. He's played by Jude Law. Well, yeah, but I mean, I you got two. You got two Dumbledores. You got sexy Dumbledore, character. and you got old man Dumbledore. Well, to me, maybe it's just, I'm just weird, but, like, when I think of Dumbledore, I think of old man Dumbledore. Well, yeah, that guy's not sexy. He has got better <laughs> right. fashion that's sense, like, though. Yeah, this doesn't sound right. Like, sexy, that's not Dumbledore. That's why it's, like, that's why it's notable. It's like, holy shit, Dumbledore's hot now. Okay, so why was, I know we're completely going off topic already, but it's a that's question right. I've asked. Why was, I didn't watch the first Fantastic um, but I did watch fine. the second one. I watched Crimes of Grindelwald. Why oh, yeah. did Colin Farrell turn into Johnny Depp? Because they hate me. <laughs> <laughs> What's the story reason? Uh, they, they, have, they have a uh, polyjuice potion, which is a potion that lets you turn into other people so, so who was the other person was johnny De was the main bad guy always johnny depp pretending uh -huh. to be colin farrell yeah um, main bad guy was I always i would have preferred it be colin farrell no shit <laughs> i mean great he's a much okay. better actor also Sounds he doesn't okay. have that those stupid eyebrows did he have the weird eye thing because like uh -huh. depp had a weird eye thing going on yeah and i feel like if you have the weird eye thing how can you hide Look, it's a complicated world. Point is that um, the third one is taking the best parts, the two good parts of the movie and all the characters, and they're like, 
We're sorry about literally everything else, but like we can't do much about that. But we're fixing literally the two things that we can. So please come back. And I will because I'm a sucker. Okay. And if this one's bad, I'll still go back because I'm still a sucker. Well, I mean, good to know that. Yeah. <sighs> Whatever. Let's let's move on. I don't care anymore. All right, so for this week, we are talking about military films because in the U.S., today is Veterans Day, and in Australia, y'all have something going on down there, too. It's, it's essentially the same thing as Veterans Day, except that we call it Remembrance Day because we're remembering. So for you, it's like your Memorial Day. Yeah. Okay. So we have two separate holidays in the U.S. In May, we have Memorial Day, mm-hmm. and it's we supposed to be- We have Anzac Day in May. You have what? Anzac Day, which is the Australian New Every Zealand- time- you say that i want to say bless you <laughs> the australian new zealand uh, army corps is uh the anzacs and we remember them here and in new zealand and then remembrance states for the entire commonwealth it's essentially vaguely the same thing okay so, so you've got the bless you day and <laughs> american veterans day and uh, yeah. i'm just gonna call yours remembrance day okay veterans day remembrance day so in honor of that, in the two continents that we reside, we are going to talk military films. Or for me, it's more, less, less the films specifically, but more the characters. Oh, uh, we're doing characters? Well, I mean, Damn. it's, you know, remembrance of the people. Well, it, okay, so I don't know about, for, your, for yours, it could be different. Yeah, so- you have a, you're, you're doing remembrance. For me, it's Veterans Day, so it's not really about the military in and of itself. It's about the people in the military. It's about the veterans. Okay. So for me, I'm doing it for the characters. Um, I'm not gonna lie. I tried desperately to find more movies that weren't to do with World War Two. Mm-hmm. Um, most of these are about World War Two, mainly because like Nazis are a great bad guy, and so the majority of movies that I've seen are about World War Two. Plus, how many? Aussies, like how many wars have you guys even been in? We've helped England mainly. So any so you get dragged into the U.S. as imperialist crap. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. We help. Right. Um, we help either the U.S. or England mainly. England, I say that because if you helped England, England is a, is like our number one ally. Yeah. So usually when we get into something, it's like that best friend that's like up to no good, but you're like whatever. Let's see how this works. So no, so no one attacks Australia because we're um, chill. And oh, I thought you were going to say too far away. We're also too far away. But we're, yeah. we're non-aggressive, we're too far away. And the, in terms of military, we're, our government's a bunch of assholes. Um, so we basically help everyone else with their wars. Um, we've only been attacked a couple of times. And that was in order to prevent us from helping other people. Indeed. So yeah. Um, so are so, your are the films you're talking about? Are they going to be Australian slash British type films? Um, well, I got a couple British ones. It's um, I got American. I got um, oh, a couple. It, it's complicated, <laughs> but Australia doesn't have good films. <laughs> uh, Australia's films are made uh, funded by the government, sorta. Um, what? they're either in, they're either funded by like indie movies. If you yourself can raise like a million dollars or whatever to make a movie, then you can make a movie. Uh, but we don't have Hollywood type 
So most of the movies are funded by the government and the rule is that you have to have like a message and therefore every single big budget Australian movie is about the same thing. Um, I had no idea. Yeah, it's pretty garbage. Weird. Um, uh, The best one is Babadook. Uh, You also have Mad Max. Uh, mm-hmm. And the, and those ones were individually funded. They were they had money raised by the director or the producer, or whatever. Right? You know what? Now that you mention it, those are the only two movies I can think of off the top of my head that are from Australia. Yeah, they're, they're pretty much the only good ones. Um, the rest is a pile of trash. Uh, and... I think of a bunch of Australian actors, but not actually Australian movies. That's kind of weird. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We don't have a big production thing. Everyone just gets exported. Um, so yeah, so you're to blame for you guys. <laughs> you're welcome. The, we made Wolverine sing. You made Wolverine seventeen feet tall. Wolverine's supposed to be short. We'll get on that in the Marvel. He's supposed yeah. to be short. Yeah, it doesn't. He's matter. supposed to be short and stocky. And Hugh Jackman's this bohemian, beautiful man. That is not Wolverine, but whatever. I'm not saying he didn't play him well. He did play him well. He did play him well in that one movie. Um. Anyway, it doesn't matter. What matters is that uh, we have, I don't have any Australian movies on the list because I only picked good movies. And uh, the majority of them are about World War II. And also, since this isn't technically a list and it's just a, a series of movies in a list type way, um, I am going to, I have when 10. When you say that, do you mean you didn't rank them? I didn't rank them. That makes more sense. I don't really, it doesn't matter. So, uh, do you want to start? Uh, sure, why not? Okay. So, so we're going to go back and forth, right? Right. You pick one, I pick one. All right, cool. So the first one I'm going to talk about is kind of coming out of nowhere. It's Jacob's Ladder. Really? Yeah. Have you seen it? No. I didn't think that was a war movie, though. You, oh, it's totally a war Okay. What, wait, what did you think it was? I thought that it was, um, I thought it was Donnie Darko. That's what no. I thought it was. When Jake, people no. said Jacob's Ladder, I will always think of Donnie Darko, but I haven't seen any of them. Right. Yeah, so, both. Both a little out there, but completely separate films. Okay. Um, no, Jacob's Ladder is, it's completely a war movie. Um, it kind of exposed Agent Orange. Um, it's, about, it's, it's about the Vietnam War, um, or it takes place, I should say, during the Vietnam War. Um, and it shines a light on the psychological horrors of war. And it basically proves that, like, when you come back, you can't, you can't just pretend like you weren't like you didn't see the things you saw um but also spoilers it is oh by the way just we're gonna do a, a spoiler alert for every film we're gonna talk about because i like Daniel to apologize to out answers. yeah like, yeah and we never give a spoiler warning so this is like a preemptive spoiler for anything we're gonna bring up so if you haven't seen it skip ahead a little bit and move on to the next film um but jacob's ladder came out like 30 years ago so most people who want to see it or who are going to see it have seen it by now um <clears throat> the interesting thing about this movie is the whole thing is really so so it's kind of weird because you think that it's you think that like maybe he's seeing things like he's hallucinating and like you're seeing like you're, you're seeing him having flashbacks which are like he's being triggered by something and he's like having a flashback to being in vietnam and then you later realize that he actually never left Vietnam. This whole time he was dying. And this is him ascending the ladder after, you know, during death. And um, so that's, that's the ending. 
So it's really good, but during the movie, you don't know that. During the movie, you assume that he actually left Vietnam and came back, and that he's seeing these weird things and weird people, and it turns out those are demons. And um, he's haunted so by like literal demons. Yeah. I well, get it's, it. it's like a journey of it's his symbolism. soul. Because, like, again, like, so in the beginning of the movie, there's a bombing and he dies. Well, he doesn't know that he's dead. He wakes up in back in New York. I think he's in New York. And, um, and he's trying to live his life afterwards. And he keeps having these, like, weird visions and hallucinations. And you think that it's having PTSD from being in the war. But really, this whole thing is like imagined. It's a journey his soul is going through as he's not. That's really interesting. It is. You should watch that. It is. You should. I'm definitely going it's to. It's called Jacob's Ladder. Um, and I just, when I was, because I decided, like, right before we started doing this, that I was going to talk about it. And I decided to look it up. And apparently they did a remake this year. So there's a new version of Jacob's Ladder. I haven't seen it. But um, I, I wonder, like, kind of what it's like. Because it sounds interesting. I'm wondering if they're going to, usually when they do reboots, they do like, they change the war and everything. So I'm assuming this time the war is going to be with, you know, the war is going to be like the, one of the Middle Eastern wars instead of Vietnam. Um, it's a good ooh, idea. I'm looking at the reviews. So the yeah. 1991 has like close to five stars, right? Right. The one Makes from sense. 2019 is getting anywhere from one to two stars. No kidding. So apparently they didn't do it quite right either that or people are just really sick of reboot i mean both those things can be true this is true um so the reboot has michael bay jesse Will- i said michael bay. michael ely and jesse williams i want to see the michael bay version of this michael bay <laughs> no um yeah the michael e uh yeah this and uh, the original one is with uh, tim robbins elizabeth pena and danny aiello and that one's really good that's the one i'm talking about but um the remake has has Michael Lee and uh, Jesse Williams, and I've never even seen a trailer for it. I only found out about it because I looked up Jacob Slatter to be like, hmm, I think I'll talk about that. Oh, it came out in August. I didn't even hear. It. Yep, they changed it to Afghanistan. Makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, that tends to be the thing. They like anything that took place during, say, Vietnam or World War II. They just make it Afghanistan or Iraq to make it you know, one of the, to make it common, uh, uh, recent. So anyway, that's the first one that I wanted to talk about. And that, to me, that, that gets to the heart of like veterans issues because originally before he, before he dies, before you realize that he's actually dead, um, or that he's, you know, this whole movie is him experiencing dying. Before you figure that out, you think that it's PTSD and it's the first movie to really show what PTSD looks like. Okay. Um, speaking of PTSD, my one is Rambo First Blood. <laughs> okay. Um, I really, really like this movie and I forgot how good it is, um, when compared to literally every other Rambo movie. Um, have you seen all the Rambo movies? I have not. I don't even think I've seen all the Rocky. I mean, I might have. No, I think I missed one of the Rockies. I, I don't think I've seen any of, I don't think I've seen all of any Stallone type of movie okay so um so the rainbow series gets more and more bonkers there's one there's a movie where he helps uh terrorists um by Mm. because in america didn't realize that they were terrorists uh so that's fun that's weird (laughs) 
but but the first one still holds up it's still really really fucking good um i think the it's- first one to me was like it was a similar thing with with uh with with um jacob's ladder and that it's very much like a, a combat veteran dealing with ptsd but people but with him instead of him like dying it's just people keep fucking with the wrong guy and he's uh-huh. just like okay i'll kill everybody <laughs> um and it's like, but he doesn't want to kill anybody, but they keep fucking with him, so he kind of has to. <laughs> it's it's very much um, Stallone as Rocky, uh, not Rocky. Fuck, man. Uh, Rambo <laughs> is definitely the good guy in the movie, and it's based on a book um, called First Blood, which is much more gray. It's a bigger gray area. There's a yeah, see, to me in, in the first Rambo, he's he's a good guy, but it's more like he's the victim uh-huh um yeah and he doesn't kill anyone in the movie i don't think i think he kills like a cut i think it, anyone he kills is an accident in rambo uh yeah i don't think he kills anyone in the first rambo movie which is hilarious because of how many people he kills in not only the book but the sequels yeah he does doesn't he kill a bunch of people i can't remember the scene there's a scene where like they're coming after him in the woods doesn't he kill a bunch of people then like no, it's, not necessarily like... hand to hand but like he sets up traps and stuff it's like Terminator 2, where the Terminator doesn't kill anyone, but seriously injures them. Well, okay. I just counted those as deaths. So. I mean, fair enough. But uh, the movie very specifically wants you to know that he doesn't actually try and kill anyone. It's very much like, it's like Batman, where it's like, I don't, I'm not going to kill you, but I'm just going to main or seriously injure. Mm. Um and I, I like the way that, I like the reason that Stallone wanted to make this movie um, to show how shitty Americans treat veterans. And yeah. I don't know if this and changed anything. it went anything. off the rails after that. Oh, yeah. The next 19 of them. Yeah. It went off the rails completely. It was mental. <laughs> he blows someone up with a rocket launcher. And I'm like, what happened to like four movies ago when you're being like, I don't, I'm just a weapon. I was, tr- I was used as a weapon and then thrown out after you didn't need me. Everything is terrible. <laughs> and now you're like, woo, good rock and It's great. <laughs> yeah. So um, uh, Rambo First Blood, I'm going to give five stars to. It, it's, Ooh, uh, yeah, well, this one specifically, but like the rest of them can just burn in a fire. <laughs> that Rambo said, apparently. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, uh, also, call the sequel Second Blood. What are you doing? <laughs> First Blood Part 2. Second Blood. Third Blood. Fourth Blood. Fifth Blood. Come on, man. We're starting to sound like Harry Potter now. Yeah. Oh. Also, <laughs> add wizards. Uh, oh, yeah. That's super realistic. <laughs> anyway all right on to the next for me it's a few good men i um, have been wanting to see this so badly you have not seen it nope okay so then i guess i won't spoil it no spoil it do <clears> you it. want me to spoil yes okay well it's uh it for me it's more a character study on tom cruise's character like what tom, okay so tom cruise um is playing a, it's a weird thing because like it takes place it's mainly like set in a courtroom but the courtroom is telling you another story and that other story is pivotal but the whole thing is really a character 
It's like a character story on Tom Cruise who has nothing to do with the main story, like the story that's being told. See what I mean? Uh -huh. <laughs> it's like, it's like here's Tom Cruise. He's our main character, and we're gonna see him. We're gonna watch an entire character arc for him specifically, and not really anybody else. Um, and but within, but while we're having his character arc, we're gonna have another story that is gonna be told in the courtroom, and that's gonna be quite an important story. But it's gonna be like slowly revealed. And it's kind of like a detective thing where like they have to figure it out and then it ends up being revealed. And of course you get that famous scene, like, I want the truth. You, you can't, can't handle the, the truth. truth. Yes. And, uh, and it has a quasi happy ending. More because, or less, sort of. Yeah. Well, because, okay. So the Tom Cruise character gets a, a somewhat happy ending, but then the story that's being told, like that's already ended me. So that story, it's just told all the way through, but it's kind of a tragic story. So, um, yeah, and it's, but, and see, again, trying to tell the story without without spoiling the story, because um, I've told, what I've told you is like, it's what happens, but it doesn't ruin anything if you haven't seen it. I appreciate um, that. <laughs> no problem. Um, but the story that's being told within that, to me, like the story that unfolds in the courtroom, that is the ultimate, like, that's the ultimate veteran story, because it, it's like a, a deeper look into how soldiers are treated within the military and how the people at the top can do egregious things and just get away with it. So, um, and it's, it's kind of a whistleblower story as well. And that's pretty much all I can say without giving away way too much. So, it reminds me of um, another movie um, where it's about abuse in the military um it's a uh there's a drill sergeant and um he's been like a full metal jacket yeah full metal jacket thanks okay. um yeah it reminds me a lot of that from your description except it's, with courtroom yes and no okay because full metal jacket was more the it was it was entirely within like the barracks fair enough whereas this one was this played to the larger implications of a situation like that. So instead of just, then that's what I mean, like instead of it just being, like instead of it just focusing on this one situation, kind of like Full Metal Jacket does, it's like it, it pulls the camera back by putting it in the courtroom and it makes it seem like a systematic campaign. So that's the main difference. Okay. Uh, I can't wait to see it. Yeah, it's good. All right. Um, have you seen the Kane Mutiny? Uh, is that like a 1950s movie? Uh-huh. I saw it like a hundred years ago and I can't remember. All I remember is like a little girl with like, or not a little girl, I'm thinking of something. Um, I have seen it. I just can't remember it. Okay, so. I, I saw it a long time ago because there's an actor, there's one famous actor from the Humphrey time. Humphrey Bogart. Yes, thank you. You're welcome. Yeah, I've seen it. But cool. it, again, it was, it was when I was a little girl. Okay. Um, so I saw it a couple of years ago as mm -hmm. part of the, I really, really need to catch up on old movies, um, couple of months. And, um, it's, a, it, it was it very proudly and, uh, openly said that this is a fictional story. There has never been a mutiny on a U.S. uh, naval ship. Thank you very much. Uh, but this is what would happen basically if, uh, there was a mutiny 
on the ship and it was and it led to um and it led to um showing them exactly how the mutiny happened and then the courtroom uh trial after the mutiny happened and you have the captain who's humphrey bogart uh and he's suffering from some sort of post-traumatic stress disorder and he's um not unfit for duty and then after the mutiny the second half is the courtroom drama and it i like the movie because not only not only does it say that this is a fictional story but this is what how a mutiny would happen and how they justify it but also it doesn't let anyone off the hook for causing um for causing this to happen Mm -hmm. and um it's really good especially the second half after the actual mutiny happens and we get into the courtroom drama that reminds me of crimson tide have you seen that no oh okay so that's gonna be your homework for this like your homework for this week is pretty much gonna be everything i've mentioned that you haven't seen i mean that's fair enough (laughs) um because like we're kind of going through some classics like so far everything we've both said has been a classic Oh yeah, we. I haven't gotten to the really weird stuff yet, <laughs> which is amazing because that's what these. Yeah, uh, so <laughs> I, I really only have one weird movie. The rest of them, you can be like, I get it. <laughs> uh, mine, I think, are pretty much all going to be mainstream because I just. Well, okay. The main, the reason why most of my films are mainstream, isn't because I don't watch indie films like with the celebration. Like nobody ever heard of that. But it's not because... even I've heard of that, and I heard, hear about it. Every- um it's because with the exception of films like the celebration um when we do when we decide like what we're gonna do like we decided this what 12 13 hours ago Um, Uh, yeah we we basically we basically had um we we were basically going to do like movies we'd seen this week and then you were like no that's not it's gonna be hard and you've only seen one movie and also what are we really going to talk about so having a topic along with that, was a great idea. Yeah, especially since, you know, it, it just so happens we have Veterans and Remembrance Day, so mm-hmm. lean into it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, we, because that's why mine are all um, all mainstream, because when we come up with stuff, I like, Daniel will actually, he loves lists, so he will do his homework. He will research things and be like, these are the things I'm going to talk about, and I'm going to be like, what's the topic? Okay, one, two, three, four, five, and uh, let's go. Yeah. <laughs> Which is hilarious, but also shows how many movies you've seen. It all it is, yeah. The only list and you've the struggled with was like, this week was next week's list. That's the first list. It it was so hard for me. So next week's topic is um is films that we didn't think we were gonna like, but we ended up liking. And I struggle with that because I've seen so many movies and I know myself so well that I'm that's. And then if I see it, and it's like most of the time when I see something that I'm like, that's going to be crap. And I'm like, yep, turns out I was right. And it's <laughs> not that I go into it like with this mindset of like, this is like the whole time, this is, this movie's going to be shit, this movie's going to be shit. It's just that like, I, you can smell it. I've seen, too, I've seen too many movies and I know myself too well. And I, if I take the time to give it any, like if I bother to watch something, I'm not going to try to spoil it. I'm hoping that I'm going to be surprised, you know? I want to see a good film. I don't want to waste my time. So if I bother to watch something, I'm hoping 
then I'll be wrong if I think I'm, you know, if I think that it's not going to be any good. I just seldom am. Okay. <laughs> so, so we'll get into that next week. Um, but we were talking about the K Mutiny and you had a movie that you brought up uh, Crimson Tide. Because it, like, as you were, so again, this is how. <laughs> So I had like five or six, I think I had six movies originally. And I was like, all right, I'll just cancel one and I'll have five. And then you bring up Kane Mutiny and I'm like, oh, screw that. Something's getting tossed because I'm going to talk about Crimson Tide. That's fair enough. <laughs> that happened 20 seconds. Ago. So or two minutes. <laughs> I know I was there. It was great. What? 1995. Yeah. So basically I decided to talk about Crimson Tide when I said that reminds me of Crimson Tide. And now here we are. <laughs> it was a good journey. I'm glad I went on it with you. That's the level of preparation that I come <laughs> in with. I, I literally go. I mean, well, Tell me about a, Crimson a Tide, aside, damn it. Like, well, just a quick aside. Like, that's the main difference between you and I. You're like, okay, this must be like this, and then we're preparing, and then this, and then this. And I'm like, what's going on? Okay, let's do it. Like, <laughs> that's why I'm chaos and he's order. Okay, so oh, Crimson God Tide is a 95 film. Uh, directed by Tony Scott, and um, it's essentially about a mutiny on a submarine, and it's really, like, nail-biting because it's a situation of, like, there's this, they, they get these orders, okay, and the orders are to launch against this, uh, I think it's a Russian submarine that's also in the water, and, but then they don't get, like, they don't get the whole message, and then their system, their communications go down. So now they're like, okay, what do we do? Do we actually hit them or do, do we not? Because here's the thing. If you actually hit them and the, the orders, like if the end of the order said, because it was basically like you go on standby to attack. And if the orders ended with, you know, execute, then you have to execute because if you don't, they could hit you and you'll all die. If the orders don't end and execute, if the orders say stand down and wait for the order, if you execute, you've now started a nuclear war between the United States and Russia. Isn't and that, that a real thing? That happened? Oh, huh? what was that? Um, isn't that a real thing that happened? Um, the Cuban Missile Crisis is a real thing that happened, and this kind of parallels that, but it's not. This didn't actually. This situation didn't really happen, but it kind of did because that's kind of what Bay of Pigs Missile Crisis was. That's pretty much what uh, what Kennedy was dealing with. Cool. But this takes place, it's a, it's a similar situation, but it's set in the 90s and it's not this. Um, okay. This was during, so basically what you're thinking of is a real situation that kind of kicked off the Cold War. And this was during the Cold War, like kind of like at the end of the Cold War. And, um, and that's why it was so tumultuous, because it was like, if you do the wrong thing, you could start nuclear war. So there are two, there's the captain and the exo. So like executive um, and Makes the sense. captain in this case Gene Hackman has decided hit him like we got most of it just you know send the send the torpedoes and um, and Denzel Washington who's the XO was like no we don't have the full order you have to wait and of course I'm like paraphrasing because like it's been a while since I've seen it but this is the gist of it. um and so the whole ship is like what do we do because one per you know. The captain technically is the person to give the order, but then Denzel Washington, the reason why the Kane mutiny reminded me of this is because Denzel Washington technically commits mutiny when he says the captain has been relieved of duty, Exo is now in command. And so it's this cat and mouse game between the two of them, 
or who's going to control the ship all while communications are down because they don't know whether to hit him and gene hackman it turns out he's like a racist and he really just wants to kill the russians and he doesn't care if we get involved in a war he just he's a military man and he wants to take them down sounds and, charming and there's enough of a message that he could say i was given the orders but then Denzel Washington Possible like, deniability. No, we weren't given enough of the orders. We have to wait till it comes back. And so it's like, but meanwhile, the system, like the communication system is down for like what feels like days. It's really just several hours, but it feels like forever. And during that time, there's this whole, you know, there's, there's a, a back and forth mutiny and the crew members are caught in the balance and World War hangs. Like the crew members are caught in the middle and World War hangs in the balance. And it's a very good thriller because you're like how's it going to end and it ends with a court with a uh, court martial later and you find out you know I'm, again not to spoil everything but you find out how the uh, u.s navy deals with that with the way they dealt with situations when i when i kept saying trial for the k mutiny i was trying to think of court martial the entire time oh. <laughs> but um it sounds like a great double feature because for the it's Crimson Tide? Yeah, because yeah. Um, the gay mutiny is like everyone's like old fashioned and trying to be uh, like upper class throughout the entire thing uh, until it's revealed that all of them were kind of dicks. Mm-hmm. Um, and the uh, Crimson Tide sounds like a similar thing in a modern context, sort of. Crimson Tide to me is more of like a chess match between two masters and. You're rooting for Denzel Washington because you don't want nuclear war. I mean, it's- that's fair. That is a good thing to not want. And I'm really glad yeah. that we're on his side. Well, yeah. I mean, unless you just, if you're, unless you're a warmonger and you're like, ah, I just kill everybody, then you're on Gene Hackman's side. Yeah. So, and- um, yeah, it's, it's an interesting movie. Uh-huh. Um, What's up next for you? I am going to go into actual propaganda. How fun. Uh, I'm going to talk about Casablanca. Okay. So uh, America didn't want to be part of World War II for ages. And um, Casablanca is about an American who goes to um, Casablanca during World War II and is like, I don't want to get involved. And they're like, got to get involved. It's like, I don't want to get involved. So it's (laughs) basically a stand-in for the entirety of the United States. Indeed. I really fucking love this movie a lot. I love the um, I love the main character. I love all the side characters. The story is top notch. The way it's directed, it's literally one of the best movies ever made. I love it a lot. And Humphrey Bogart is in like two of my favorite war movies. So good on him. <laughs> good on him. Yeah, he's great. This is great. Have you seen it? <laughs> yes, I've seen it good um this is a fantastic movie and i really 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 love uh, mainly the story uh but also the characters and there was a tv series based on this there was uh-huh yeah that i didn't know uh, yeah there was a tv series based on this it lasted a, it lasted half a season because of course it did <laughs> um, because of course it did. and every week he's just like i don't want to get involved in the war but <laughs> Like I'll I'll help with this one particular thing, and then he's, and then the next episode I don't want to get involved in the war, but, but kind of will. He's basically the Han Solo of 
actual World War II. I mean, if they made Star Wars back in the 40s, I'd definitely see him as a Han Solo. <laughs> He's the original Han Solo. He's yep. Han Solo before there was a Han Solo. He's who Han Solo was based on. This is a fantastic movie. Um, it, I, even before you, I saw it, I knew the iconic lines. That's how played much he's done. Played against Sam. Um, he's looking you, kid. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Uh, I knew all those lines. And I liked that he didn't get, get on the plane with her at the end because he needed to stay to help during the war in Casablanca. So real quick, speaking of those lines, I feel like, like, and as a person who prizes writing above all else, I don't feel like those are the lines are, it's not the way they're written. It's the way they're delivered. It's, it's Bogart himself. It's I mean, how he delivers it. Because anybody could say play it again, Sam. And that's not, you know, it's, I feel like there are just, there are people like Bogart well, and Dietrich and, and, um, I can't think of her name, um, from All About Eve. I, um, oh, I can't think of her. Betty Davis. There are people, and like Mae West, there, it's, it's how the person delivers the line, not so much their, the writing or like the, you know, the wording. And so for me, like Bogart, I think there, the reason why there are so many lines from this movie is because it's him. It's he, it's his delivery of the line. I mean, that makes sense. Like, you can have really bad um, dialogue be delivered by really good actors. Uh, but you can have good dialogue be delivered by great actors, and it becomes fantastic. Exactly. Like, well, I mean, think about, like, with Terminator, I'll be back. That's not a well-written line. That's not wonderful. It's the, it's the delivery. It's that deep Austrian accent and just the, the, the way that it hits in that scene. Uh-huh. That and, scene, I think it's more the directing, but whatever. and Arnold uh, my favorite my favorite part about that is that Arnold was like, it doesn't make sense for a robot to use a contraction. What if I said I will be back? And then uh the director was like, No. <laughs> so uh, I like like small hang-ups like that. It's very fun. Uh anyway, Casablanca, probably in my top ten movies of all time list. I don't want to commit to that quite yet. Um but we'll definitely be doing that list at some point, right? We have to. I mean, the way you're addicted to lists, most of Well, we're doing this podcast, too, <laughs> and we're going to be doing lists a lot. So, like, probably. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, um, what's yours? Bringing that up, it reminds me of all the, there are so many of them. Like, a lot of movies in the 40s um, were, they were either propaganda pieces or anti-propaganda pieces, like The Great Dictator. Oh, um, The Great Dictator. Another one. Um, is like, like like there are a lot of movies about how women were turned into like like Maharis, you know? They were they were spies because nobody would think of a woman. Like everybody would let the woman go through. There it's actually great. Um, it's actually a great idea because it shows women being powerful and uh, underestimated because uh, everyone's sexist. Also, the Great Dictator exactly. is propaganda. They're making fun yeah. of Hitler during World War Two. It's well, I I consider it's I consider it anti-propaganda because um, the the Nazi Party had tons of propaganda for not just Germany but for everywhere they invaded, and so the Great Dictator is like his anti-propaganda. Like his, it's so Hitler like touted himself to be this you know this this great dictator, and so yeah, this pro- is pro- like <laughs> in your face. It's like it's his. So it's like you have. 
Hitler's propaganda, and then here's the anti-propaganda of that. Like, okay. No, I, I, see, I see what you mean. They're both called propaganda, but one's on uh, one side and the other one's on the other side. Right. Well, to me, why I say, why I say anti-propaganda, it's not just because one's on one side and the other's on the other. It's because this was made in direct, in, in, like in a direct reaction to Hitler's propaganda. No, it I was get made it. to counter it. So it was um, like counter propaganda. Do you want to talk about it now? Because it's on my list. Uh, or do you want to talk about um, uh, sure. go something ahead. else? Since, I mean, I didn't know it was going to be on your list. But, yeah. But yeah, go ahead. Uh, it's number one. Next, I fucking love this later. movie. Um, everyone knows about the speech at the end. Even if you haven't seen this movie, even if you don't know where it's from, you've heard that speech at the end. The one about showing kindness and respect. But what I didn't know is that it was a Jewish man saying it dressed as Hitler. So it's literally, yeah. a, okay, so, okay, so Charlie Chaplin. Mm -hmm silent movie actor is using this movie the great dictator to show the power of words and how powerful sound is it, he's using a made-up language to make fun of hitler right uh which mm -hmm. he gives a fake name but it's fucking hitler it's hitler uh and he <laughs> and the the um the translation for it for uh hitler becomes more and more clear because it starts off with the um with him doing like rambling crap then the narrator going is strong you know stuff like that but then mm -hmm. it becomes more and more clear and becomes more and more scary and then the final speech where hitler is going to have um this big thing where he's going to tell everyone about how evil jewish people are and how uh and all of his propaganda at that point Charlie Chaplin, who looks exactly like him because he's played, Charlie Chaplin plays a Jewish man who was in a concentration camp and then sort of just left. Uh, he didn't know what concentration camps were. He said that he wouldn't have used concentration camps if he knew what they were, which like, I get it. But he, he left and he goes back to his shop and he realizes that Nazis have taken over his shop and he acts uh, foolish around him. And it's fantastic. Well, also, you have to mention that he's, so Charlie Chaplin's playing dual role, dual roles. One is as this dictator, and another is as a Jewish man that happens to look identical to the dictator. Like in every conceivable way. And yeah. the Nazis or the SS, I, I don't know the difference, but the, the Nazis are basically chasing him down. And then he manages to find uh, the great dictator's outfits. So everyone thinks that he's Hitler. And then they think that Hitler is this is the Jewish uh, man that they've been tracking down? So Hitler gets sent to a concentration camp, and Charlie Chaplin is put on stage in order to and does that speech. And the fact that mm -hmm. it is about a Jewish man taking away power from Hitler and spreading his message instead, it makes that speech so much better. Well, Hitler himself was half Jewish. Well, I get it. But like that's why that's why it works so well because it's ultimately so, he was going after himself. Uh, yeah, and it's it's just so good with context, and it's great mm -hmm. without context. It works on so many levels, and I love it so fucking much. It's also really funny. It remind the movie that I'm being reminded of as we're talking about this is a movie that neither of us have seen, but I'm definitely gonna see probably tomorrow. Jojo Rabbit. I want to see Jojo Rabbit so badly. <laughs> it's 
It's not coming out until the 27th of December or some bullshit. You know what? You got Star Wars. Yeah, I'm not waiting that long. So, so you got Star Wars, you got Cats, and you got Jojo Rabbit. Cats is going to get destroyed. At the same time? Uh-huh. Okay. I think so. Yeah, Jojo Rabbit's out right now for me. Um, I was going to see it this week, but I ended up seeing it instead. But I'm still going to see it. Um, it was just a times thing. At the time, I, the time I wanted to go to the movies, there was another side that saw that. Um, but Jojo Rabbit, like speaking of a Jewish guy, uh, it's it's played by um, so Hitler is it, he's supposed to be Hitler actually. Imaginary Hitler, friend Hitler um, through the imagination boy. Um, yeah, imaginary Hitler. Um, and he's played by Taika Waititi, and Taika Waititi is half Jewish. <laughs> so yet think- again, you have another half Jewish man playing Hitler. And it's a, it's a comical farce, and it's basically pointing out that hatred is stupid, um, which is great. It's a great idea. Indeed, I I want to see it so badly, and I am one hundred percent sure that if I had seen it, it would be on my list because, like, I'm not good about. I barely have a top ten, but um, if, if this is for this year, out, you mean what? Are well, you for this year. Yeah, but also like the World War, this list here, the best. Oh, this list for the world, for the war movies. Yeah, one of them is like a short film that I want to discuss later uh, as a bonus. But like, I need to see this movie. It's it's everything. If if it's as good as I hope it is, it's going to be on my top five list for this year. I'm so excited. (laughs) I can tell. It's high praise. Um, All right, so, so my next movie is. Just like you had Bogart on your list twice, I have Jimmy Moore on my list twice. My next movie is G.I.J. I have never heard of this. You've never heard of this movie? No, I was thinking that it was a spin-off of G.I. Joe. What? No, okay. So get on eBay and order it, because I know in Aussie land, y'all don't have access to any kind of movie. So I'm sure it's not streaming anywhere for you. You're going to have to buy it, most likely. Um, <laughs> yeah. How have you never heard of this? <laughs> wow. Uh, Tell me about it. Again, I own. Um, it's <laughs> about the first, it's not, not a true story. Okay. Okay. Just throwing that out there. Um, it was done in 97, and it is about the first woman to. Some Google movies. Hooray. Oh, yay. You can stream it. Um, it's about the first woman to become. Uh, is it Green Beret? A Navy SEAL. Okay. Um, pretty sure it's a Navy SEAL. Um, and it taught it just it can it deals with the um, it's like two fronts. On the one end, you have the political battle to allow women into women were already in the military. Like women were serving in the military in World War One too, mm-hmm. but they were like nurses and doctors. Um, they weren't allowed to actually you know go into combat. Um, this is about allowing women to serve in combat positions and allowing women like the, so the, the political spectrum is allowing women in combat positions, allowing them to be in special ops and special training programs. And then the second part is through the eyes of the character of, of the actual woman to do that. And, um, and you know, what SEAL training, it, it gives you like a, a look at what SEAL training is like and, um, and it's, it's funny how, through the political side, the characters that are fighting for her are actually rooting against her at the exact same time. They picked someone, they tried to pick someone they thought would fail. 
And then when she didn't fail, they changed the rules. It was like special pleading. They just kept moving the goalposts so that no matter what happened, she would still fail. That's because nice. even though they were fighting for it, they weren't actually fighting for it. It was a political ploy. They were just trying to do that. It was just something to grandstand on to say that they did something. They don't actually want women fighting. And so it was, So it's the political front and it's the actual like physical, what she went through day to day. And it shows, it, it, it highlights the sexism in the military, but it also shows just the, how difficult it would be to be a SEAL, no matter wh who you are, you know, male or female. And, um, and Viggo Mortensen is in this and he is awesome. In this. And um, <laughs> one of my favorite scenes, which you have to see it to get to that point. Okay. When she tells him, suck my dick. It's <laughs> awesome. Sounds fun. And everybody cheers, hoorah. And it's awesome. And then there's awesome. a poem that he says like throughout the movie and it's very touching and all that. I like this movie and it's to me, it was, you know, like nowadays people talk about like, don't put your political agenda in my movies. Well, this movie was, Which is it was, it is nothing but political agenda, but it tells you that from the get, you know, from the jump. So, I mean, it's literally called G.I. Jane. So you knew what you were getting into. So if you didn't want to see it, you don't want to see, you know, politics and dealing with feminism and sexism in movies and she is not your typical she's not what the stereotypical feminist when people portray feminist they they portray they tend to think of like man hating women who want to be better than men and that's not what feminism is that's what certainly is not uh, bob dwyer bob dwyer what? yeah that's the that's the kind of bullshit you're thinking of oh yeah yeah, that's not, that's, that's not, she's a, a true feminist in that she wants to be considered equal to men. So she wants to go through training exactly like men, but instead they give her, they keep giving her these, like, like when she goes through an obstacle course, you have, you have to be timed. You, so when you start, they start like the timer. And then when you finish, they end the timer. And if you have a certain number, a certain amount of time that you have to finish in, or you fail the course. And she didn't finish. She finished later than everybody else, but they still told her she passed. And she's like, what? That's not fair. And they were like, you're a woman. We added time for you. And she's like, that's bullshit. I want the same deal as everybody else. And so she's truly fighting to be equal. She's not fighting to be like separate, but equal. She wants to be equal. She comes in and she shaves her head because that's what is required. You're supposed to shave your head she had a full head of hair before and they were like you don't have to do that because you're a woman and she's like fuck that it's in the manual i'm gonna do it and so she decides to come in and just be a soldier and she's like don't look at me as a woman look at me as a soldier and she fights for that the entire movie so sounds, that, uh, sounds fun is it fun huh sounds like a fun movie it like, is a fun movie. good um yeah. yeah i'll see it it's on google movies i'll see it this week okay excellent um I, my next one is, um, okay, so, all right, Sound of Music, which really? is, I, I know, I get it. <laughs> Here's the thing. So there are two halves to this movie. I really like this movie a lot. There are two halves. One is um, a love story, and it's fantastic. And then they get married at the end, and everything's fun and fine, and it's perfect. 
And then the movie keeps going for like another hour. And then the movie realizes, remembers, oh wait, there's fucking Nazis in this. Mm-hmm. So it's like it's like Mary Poppins, but after after which they they have Nazis just in there. Um, so I love your explanation of this movie. <laughs> just just in there. It's it's really weird. Um, I love this movie, and it barely barely counts as a war movie, but it's a story that takes place during World War Two. So fuck it. Yeah, but we're going on like veterans in remembrance. So what are the soldiers that you're going to talk about? The um the main who were the soldiers? The, main... the only soldier I can remember of was I think of was the dad. Yeah, the dad and his friends. Um, yeah. he's clearly suffering from PTSD and he's trying to protect his family by treating them like soldiers. And I'm like, that's that cool. works, right? Yeah, sure. <laughs> Look, this is a stretch because I love the movie so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but Christopher Plummer and Julie Andrews are fantastic. Julie Andrews has uh, since 1965 has aged 10 years and he's aged 50. I don't know how she did it, but um, every everything is perfect. I love all the kids. I love the song. the The best song in this, um, because I'm secretly 75 years old, is Edelweiss. I love that song a lot. I love the kids. I can and um and the um the other woman uh, who's uh, this formula has been used badly in so many things, but they give the other woman dignity. Uh, in this, they don't treat her like a bad guy, except for the fact that she wants to be wants to send the kids to boarding school. Which, like, I get it. My dad was sent to boarding school. His parents aren't evil. Mm. Um, but I love this movie. It barely counts as a war movie, except for the fact that at the se- at the second half, just turns into one randomly. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so yeah, you've seen it. What do you think? Not a big fan of musicals. I didn't think so. Yeah. Oh well. And I thought. Not that half of it was really boring, but that's just me because I'm not a big fan of musicals, man. <laughs> like, um, unless it's something like Phantom of the Opera or Evita. Musicals. There's a, there's a great and music. Honestly, I'm only into those two because I love the music. It's not really about the story. That's so, if I don't enough. love the music, I don't really care about musicals. There's a great musical um, called The Man Who Hates Musicals which is a zombie apocalypse comedy about this guy who hates musicals and refuses to watch them. And then everyone gets turned into a zombie except for him and he has to find a cure. But the zombie uh, virus makes people sing and dance. And Only so- you would have heard of that movie. Uh-huh. I want to see it so bad. So yeah, I, lo- I love Sound of Music. I love all the actors. I love the characters. I think it's adorable. It is three hours long, which is... Not unlike our podcast. Oh yeah. <laughs> So yeah, Sound of Music, really good. Barely counts as a war movie. It's right. them trying to escape the war, but like I wanted to bring it up. Um, the next movie for me, uh, I'm gonna go with Forrest Gump. Okay. Speaking of barely counts as a war movie, not really, because the Vietnam War is all through. It's threaded through the whole fiber of it. Because like he becomes rich with Lieutenant Dan, and his best friend is you know from the war. It's then he gives the whole speech like the the war vietnam war is all through this movie like through the heart of it it's not in the very beginning and it's not in the end but he is definitely a veteran and he personally saved tons of people in the war remember because he was like such a great runner he just ran in got somebody ran back out ran in got somebody ran back out um yeah he ran so uh so well that his leg fixed exactly 
and um, so yeah the, the like the vietnam war is just it's all in this movie and there are three distinct veterans there's forrest bubba and lieutenant dan lieutenant dan with the with the missing legs yeah um and lieutenant dan i think is like a character study on on not being able to like it's for me the movie was trying to say like no matter what situation you're in it can always get better but only if you allow it to and with lieutenant dan all he had a lot of problems but all of them did because they were all in the war and you know and even bubba died but forrest was just like well that was a thing that happened and he didn't really harp on it and he was able to move on lieutenant dan was never able to move on it he it stayed with him therefore it you know it it kind of messed up his life so to me it's kind of like a character study between like not so much it's not what happens to you it's how you look at it but like it's never too late to change like it's never too late to despite what's happened to you despite what you've been through you can still move on you can still put it behind i i like that um interpretation of it it's also a way for uh, americans to look at um the vietnam war when everyone was when when all this was uh happening uh, there was a lot of information and misinformation uh spreading around and it's a it's a great way for um americans who see the vietnam war through the perspective of uh this character who's not affected by it more or less um yeah and it's it's um a filter through him to experience the vietnam war but you still because you're not Forrest Gump the audience um is allowed to have the full impact even if he can't exactly indeed i don't like Forrest Gump but i respect it you don't like Forrest Gump no it's just not my type of movie um but i but i do respect it and i'm glad it's on your list so what did you not like about Forrest Gump if it was it, it felt like it was targeted to Americans and I would have gotten more out of it if I was American. Fair enough. Mm -hmm. American, so I can't really see it any other way. Mm. Uh, speaking of which, um, I want to talk about Sherlock Holmes and the t Voice of Terror. Terror, terror. Sherlock Holmes and the Voice of Terror? Uh-huh. So Sherlock Holmes, uh, as played by uh, Basil Rathbone, started off before the war and then they're like, oh, we have this guy playing Sherlock Holmes, basically two movies a year, and we have World War II. So, like, we can have him be Sherlock Holmes and fight Nazis. And so the majority of Basil Rathbone's movies was him fighting Nazis, and this is the best one. Because Sherlock Holmes has to stop the Nazis from spreading propaganda throughout England. Mm -hmm. uh, it's really fun. It's the kind of serial... Um, movie that indiana jones was doing a um an homage to but it's sincere it's completely sincere it's actual propaganda uh to be like we got to stop nazis from uh spreading their message throughout england in order to get morale up and it's Sherlock holmes who's a massive british icon it'd be like it's like when um when americans had superman fighting um fighting the KKK. It's, it's, an, it's a British symbol fighting, some, uh, fighting the anti, the everything 
that stands against England and by extension the rest of the UK and it's brilliant. I had never heard of it. Yeah. Um, Basil I mean, Rath- obviously I've heard of Sherlock Holmes, just not this particular movie. Yeah, Basil Rathbone uh, did two movies of about Sherlock Holmes every year, I want to say, because they were super easy to make and they went for like an hour each. If, if it came out like today and he plays Sherlock Holmes, it'd just be a TV show. But because it came out in the 40s, it was a series of movies. Um, and he's my favorite Sherlock Holmes as well. So you got my favorite Sherlock Holmes fighting Hitler. <laughs> of course you've seen all the Sherlock Holmes movies. Of course. I've even seen The Great Mouse Detective. Um, because it's based on Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> because it's Sherlock Holmes as a mouse. Have you seen Sherlock? No, no I haven't. I was going to, but then I realized that I, I could watch a good movie instead. Fair enough. Um, so yeah, Sherlock Holmes versus Nazis. The Voice of Terror. <laughs> Voice of Terror. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, my final film is going to be The Great American Patriot, Captain America. Captain America. He punches Hitler in the face. Well, I mean, kind of. <laughs> um, he did I- on stage several times. <laughs> like over 200 times. <laughs> That's a great line. I, who are you? I punched Hitler like 200 times. It's cool. <laughs> exactly. Um, I love how he never actually, like, they don't show him ascending to the rank of captain. He just kind of, like, they give him the name Captain America, and now he's a captain. <laughs> it's like, okay, I'm sure that's how it works in the Navy, or in the in military in real life. I mean, uh, if you have super soldier serum, and you rescue all of these people, then yeah, sure. I'll give you captain, who cares? Well, that's the thing, though. He was going by captain without having done anything. Like, he, tra- he went through training. Well, that's his propaganda his name. Training. Huh? That's yeah, his exactly. propaganda, propaganda name. name. So I, I love and the fact that they took Captain America, who was literal propaganda, and then made it so that he's like, yeah, we just want you to be propaganda. And so he has to prove himself because even though he has this super soldier serum, he hasn't had much military training and he hasn't proven himself, aside from jumping on a grenade. Exactly. Um... But to, the, to me, the film, so that's his World War II experience in, um, in his first movie, um, Captain America, the First Avenger. Captain but, America, and then the First Avenger, so everyone else gives a shit. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, and there's been some contention with that, because people are like, no, technically the First Avenger is Carol Danvers. No, technically the First Avenger is Captain America. Technically, you should shut up, because who cares? (laughs) I care, because Marvel is like... No, yeah, but uh, like, anyone anyone who's like, that is, misses the point of that title. Exactly, yeah. Because Carol, whoever, didn't come to Earth until like the 50s or whatever. Carol Danvers? Uh, No, Captain America. Oh, yeah, Carol Danvers. When did she come to Earth? Because wasn't it like the 80s? She didn't come to Earth. She was born here. Um, she is Captain Marvel. Yeah, so she became mm-hmm. Captain Marvel, and then some eighties happened. Some eighties happened. I love it. Okay, so it depends. Are you going comics, or if you are you going um, MCU? Either way, Captain America's first. Yeah, exactly. So like, so it's it really a good doesn't title. matter. He's still first. Exactly. But so, um, yeah. So Captain Captain America, like Steve Rogers becoming Captain America, happens before Gerald Danvers becomes Captain Marvel. So. He's still the first Avenger, no matter what. Um, but the movie I want to 
talking about is Winter Soldier. And the reason why okay. is because Steve Rogers isn't the only veteran in the MCU. We also have James Rose, but who cares about him? We have <laughs> Sam Wilson. Screw you, James Rose. Rose. But yes. See, uh, I care about him so little I even mispronounced his name. Don't even know his name. <laughs> exactly. I don't actually know um, who that James is. James Rose is Rhodey, also known as War Machine. Uh, um, he's from Iron Man. Okay. Iron Man's best friend. Anywho, um, so we also have Sam Wilson, who is Steve Rogers' best friend in the now timeline. And you have Bucky Barnes, who was Steve Rogers' best friend from the, his past. And in Winter Soldier, so in Winter Soldier, he meets Sam Wilson, becomes friends with him, and then he discovers that Bucky Barnes is not as dead as he thought he was. Ooh. And there's a Winter Soldier who was trained to be a Russian asset and who is very deadly. And he looks exactly like his best friend from the 40s. Coincidence, probably. Yeah. And uh, he too has been given super soldier serum. And so um, that's why I picked actually Winter Soldier and not the first of Because the first Avenger tells the story of just Steve Rogers, but Winter Soldier is a continuation of Steve Rogers. But we also get to meet Sam Wilson and we get to meet Bucky as the Winter Soldier, not just Bucky Barnes. Technicalities for it being a war film. <laughs> it is a war, I mean, it is a war film. It's, well, okay, so instead, again, for me, it's not about a war so much, it's about veterans, because in the US, it's Veterans Day, so it's about the characters. Fair enough, I do appreciate that you're like, I, I do appreciate that you took that technicality and you're like, I'm going to talk about Winter Soldier and not like Endgame or some bullshit. Because I would have called you out on that. No, no. Well, I mean, they're all in Endgame, but for like a microsecond. So it's not, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love Endgame, but they, we're talking specifically about veterans. And that's uh -huh. why I picked Winter Soldier because it's got three veterans and all three of them are in the spotlight. Technically, it has six veterans, five veterans, because Nick Fury is also in it. He's also a veteran. And Natasha Romanoff is in it. She is not an American veteran, but she is a Russian veteran. So many veterans. And so many got, veterans. And it's got Soldier so in the title. So Winter Soldier's like, it's got Winter Soldier in the title. Yeah. So um, it's got, so it literally has Soldier. So yeah, <laughs> I stand on the technical. <laughs> so, um, I appreciate it. Yeah, it, to me, it's the, it's the movie, especially when you're not ta necessarily talking about war. If we were talking just war movies, you would be right the first Avenger would be a war movie. But we're talking to me, like, for the- We were not specific were enough for thing. each other. But it doesn't matter. I like, I like Captain America a lot. Um, and I think that he has had the best arc throughout the MCU, starting off as literal propaganda and moving into, I want to learn about this modern world. And I, want, and I want to figure out how things work. And then being like, okay, so the propaganda bullshit isn't true about America, but I, Captain America, want to stand for the symbolism of, what, of how great I think Captain, uh, think America can be, which is what I think uh, I like about the character because it's, unlike Superman, for example, uh, Superman is like changes, it's like America is really harsh and, and, um, and scary. And so we make Superman harsh and scary. And when, which sucks. And so Captain America is like, no, this is what America can be. I believe in it. I don't trust the I government. I agree with you on that. I, I, I don't trust the government, but I believe that America can be great again. <laughs> that sounds very, you did that on purpose. Oh, of course yeah. I did. 
you just that was so wrong you just slapped me in the face i don't even like that so <laughs> i'm gonna completely disagree with you on that okay uh, starting with your take on captain america to me your take on captain america fits superman better yeah but like people don't use superman like that anymore they should but they don't like man of steel he's like breaking necks and being all sad and shit <laughs> okay so you're caught up on the fact that he killed zod at the end yeah also killed all those people and doesn't care he didn't kill anybody. He threw the only, Zod the only into person buildings. he killed was Zod. The only person he killed in the entire film was Zod. Uh, yeah, That's it. whatever. It doesn't matter. Tell me about Captain America. Okay, so like I said, your take on Captain America to me fits Superman better. Okay. Um, it doesn't necessarily fit Captain America, especially in the MCU, because to me, Captain America. Well, like you said, he started out as propaganda, but if you look at him as a character, not Captain America, but Steve Rogers. If you look at Steve Rogers, mm -hmm. he starts out as a man who has been bullied all his life, but he's always stood up to bullies because he hates bullies. And he believes the American propaganda, which says you should volunteer to fight for the war. And when he keeps getting rejected because he's so frail, he sees it as it's not fair. I'm trying to do my part. Let me do my part. So he's fighting to get to help. He's fighting to fight because not because he won't, you know, like he says in the movie, he doesn't want to kill anybody. He didn't want to hurt anybody. He just hates bullies. And he saw Hitler as a giant bully. And as you saw, you know, in his backstory, he gets constantly knocked down, but it doesn't matter because it's not about how many times you get knocked down. It's about how many times you get back up. They have a song about that. Indeed. Um, um, I, songs about drinking. But I anyway. Agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Wow. And then his character, his character arc, he doesn't, to me, in the MCU, Iron Man and uh, Black Widow have more, have bigger character arcs than Steve Rogers ever does. Steve Rogers actually doesn't have a character arc, if you think about it. Well, he does. He his his um, arc is, I want to, uh, is, he doesn't so much change his worldview as he doesn't so much change his character as change his worldview he's like i believe in like uh like he's like um he does he wants to separate himself from the government which i think is uh, a storyline in the comics as well yeah everything in the mcu is taken from the comics no um, but like this specific the I, one the reason why i say what i said is that because he starts out erskine chose him because of who he was because of who steve rogers is as a man at the uh -huh. end of his story, he is the same person. He has gone through a lot, but Captain America's through line is that he is Steve Rogers. He is a good person. No matter what happens, the government can change. The regime changes can happen. He can, he can go through so much corruption. He can go through literal decades and wake up the exact same. He can undergo all of this, and at the end, he remains the same. That is the stamp of his character. I really, no really he like Captain change. America. Well, Captain America is my favorite character in the MCU. Mine too, but that, that's to me, that's why I say he doesn't really have a character because he begins in one place and he ends in that same place. I, I agree. And, and I think we're saying is that he stays that character throughout. Whereas I, I, with Black Widow, she has a definite character arc because she begins as anybody. Like she says in Winter Soldier, the movie that we're talking about, I can be anybody you want me to be. And she can. That's her whole thing. She's like the master of disguise, she is the ultimate spy. She I, can be anybody. 
And at the end, she has found a family with the Avengers and she fights for them. See, before she fought for the highest bidder, she fought for, she wasn't really a mercenary. Um, she kind of has been in the comics. In the movie, she was never really a mercenary. She, but her backstory is that she started out with the Russians and she came to the US trying to take us down. And then Hawkeye saw something in her mm-hmm. and brought her over to the US. And now she fights for S.H.I.E.L.D. And that's why in The Winter Soldier, when she was like devastated, cause she was like, wait a minute. Like I, I've always been like, every time I think I'm fighting for an organization, that organization turns out to be bad. What the hell was the, and when, at the moment when she would give up, that's when Steve is most confident. She's like, why are you okay with this? And he's like, cause now I know what's going on because he never had to change. She is now looking into herself, like, what am I doing? And he's like, no, got this, let's go. We have an enemy to fight. Um, and and the, the, the biggest character change is actually Tony Stark, Iron Man, because he starts out as the selfish asshole who's like, I can outthink any problem you can throw at me. And at the end, just like in Avengers, when Steve Rogers says, you're not the guy to lay on the line. And he says, I would just cut the wire. And at the end, he sacrifices his life so that everybody else can leave. He, he has the true character arc. He and Natasha have the biggest character. I agree with that. What's happening in your background? I the there are people outside my door, but I didn't think you could hear them because they're not right out there. It was a huge, like echoey crash thing. Oh, weird. Mm. Um, it could be my desk too, because my desk is kind of rickety, and if I lean on it, it like moves, and you can hear it. Oh, uh, definitely <laughs> wasn't that. Okay. Um, um I so- I love Captain America. I think that. If if we're doing like war movies, then um then the first Avenger event. would be my pick. But since you're doing veterans, I agree. Plus, uh, I like Bucky's arc in um Winter Soldier a lot, and I appreciate that they don't fix it at least not right away. Um, yeah, he goes. He has to go through a lot. Um, yeah. In the comics, he actually the comics I think that the MCU writes Bucky way better than the comics do, which is kind of weird because usually the source material is the best, mm. but I actually like what they did with Bucky in the movies. In the comics, Bucky was a teenager when Cap was in the war and um, and he was like, he was kind of like Captain America's Robin. Like if Captain America was Batman, Bucky was his Robin. Um, that makes which, sense for comics. It's as dumb as it sounds. It just, it didn't work. Um, but then they retconned it to be like, no, Bucky was like a junior psychopath and he was the guy. So Captain America just comes in and punches people and then Bucky would like snipe them. <laughs> so he was the one to do the actual murdering, like the stabbing and the killing while Cap doesn't, you know, doesn't get any blood on his hands. So Cap can be the symbol, kind of like the Dark Knight. Like he can be the symbol that we need while Bucky's doing the dirty work that has to happen. Um, and then he ends up becoming Winter Soldier. And in the comics, it was super easy for him to not be the Winter Soldier anymore. Steve gets a hold of a Cosmic Cube, which in the comics is not an Infinity Stone. It's just a Cosmic Cube. And he uses the Cosmic Cube to restore Bucky's memories and to make him better. Done. He's safe. Uh, <laughs> And, but in the movies, like, he has to go through some serious PTSD to get his memory. And when he does, it is, like, he has to go through some soul searching and he's not liking what he's seeing. Uh, so uh, that, so I, I think the movies did a much better take because I, I like Bucky being 
he been with Steve and being, you know, his best friend and even being a year older than him in the in the movies rather than being like just a kid in the comics. That makes sense. And I, I am, it's hard for me to pick which one's my favorite version, my favorite um, Captain America movie. Um, but he's a great character throughout literally every movie he's in. So it's a great pick. Okay. Yeah, my favorite, my favorite Captain America movie is Winter Soldier. It's because I like the 70s spy genre vibe. Um, but my favorite scenes from a Captain America movie are in Civil War. Like that scene when Bucky jumps down and lands on the, um, he like jumps down from like the overpass and lands on the ground and turns around and grabs a motorcycle and then flips onto it. I'm just like, oh, I got every time. And then when Black Panther is like after him and Steve, like he literally runs out of a running car. Like a, a, the car is driving, he's driving the car and he just takes off out of the car and full run. And I'm just like, oh shit. Yeah, it's, there, I, I can't scene, even read what I watched that. There, there's a scene where he, um, where he basically um, has a helicopter and he curls the helicopter. And then when they were, when he was, um, and he was wearing a jacket for that scene. And then uh, the director, when he saw uh, Chris Evans' arms, he's like, we have him curling a helicopter and we have him wearing a jacket. Are you insane? Take the jacket off. We're going to do it again. <laughs> and I love that like every single actor is just like, so like, can I put my shirt off? Because <laughs> I want to have my shirt off. I worked out so hard. I want at least one scene where you see how, my, how good my abs are. And I'm like, yes, this is why I pay for tickets. <laughs> for Marvel movies. Yeah. That's, that's awesome, isn't it? <laughs> of course. Uh, anyway. Well, that's me I like to eat easiest ride he didn't have to get jacked for anything after the first one what mark ruffalo no downey robert downey jr as oh yeah Batman. mark ruffalo is to- hilarious in interviews because he's like yeah all these guys are like eating uh like having strict diets and are going to the gym for like eight <laughs> hours a day meanwhile all my scenes i'm either in a shirt but the point of my character is i'm a schlubby guy um and then i become the hulk so while they're doing that i'm just there having a burger <laughs> oh god i love my brother um well downey got it so that um after the first one so the first one they did a lot of like practical effects so he actually did like you know trim down bulk up that kind of thing for the first one after that it was all cgi so anytime you see him like and he's in a suit so but instead of him being like he and spider-man have the advantage that um they don't have to he's spider-man and the hulk they don't have to wear these like super heavy hot ridiculous costumes they just wear like a general like mocap leotard and they just walk around set (laughs) Um, it's funny because it reminds me of this interview where uh where chris evans was talking about because you know he had the for civil war he had to wear the cowl so he's covered head to toe in like this heavy leather and he's got to wear you know carry the shield on his back and everything and and falcon's the same same with bucky he's got this huge arm everybody's got all this heavy stuff ant-man the same so all of captain america's team they're in you know they're sweating their asses off in the hot georgia heat while they're filming this and almost everybody on the um on the side for iron man they're all in mocap they're not even they're just like oh it went and um in a con in a in an interview chris evans was talking about that 
And Robert Downey Jr. is sitting next to him. He's like, oh, is it hot? <laughs> and I was like, you're an asshole. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love it. So um, my number one, my favorite um, war movie was The Great Dictator. But we talked about that. So let's talk about my other favorite, The Great Escape. Wait, you cut out when you said my favorite war movie. So my favorite war movie was The Great Dictator. But my favorite, like, uh, rah-rah okay. British war movie is The Great Escape. The Great Escape is on every single week um, from, from when it came out to now. It's, every, it's, it's basically a Christmas tradition to watch the three-hour movie. Uh, you watch it every Christmas because British. And my dad's, um, my dad's British, so by default, I'm watching this, like, every Christmas. And it's great. Uh, it's based on a true story about um, these guys that were in a POW camp, and the and the um, the Germans were like, yeah. So we made this camp, and then we put everyone that's really really good at escaping into it, and then we were surprised that you tried to that you escaped. Um, so so it's based on a true story, and then you have all of these um, British soldiers in uh, their massive uniforms you have the um the guy from um that played the professor in Jurassic Park as their leader and then you have Steve McQueen throwing a baseball wearing jeans and a t-shirt instead of a uniform and I'm like it's hilarious I've heard of this movie but I haven't so Steve McQueen is in it exclusively so Americans will watch it he has he adds nothing to the plot but I think he's the main character he adds nothing to the plot, but I think he's yeah, that's so, pretty American. Yeah, so yeah. they so all of these British soldiers are having a thing, and literally the movie gets Steve McQueen out of the way by putting him in the cooler, which is a prison, uh, within the prison. It's like a holding cell. So they put him in the cooler so that he throws the baseball around. And meanwhile, we have the British soldiers doing the actual planning. So it's like we need to have Steve McQueen in it. For reason, that, so that Americans will watch it, but we have this other story that we're just putting Steve McQueen in. Oh, there you go. The fact that 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 um that all of the other soldiers are in uniforms because that's how soldiers are meant to dress, and he's in jeans right. and a t-shirt is the funniest thing about this movie. Um, yeah. and you have like all the tropes that you'd think of were invented in this movie. You have the I'm the forger, but I can't see anymore. Um, and you have the, uh, the person that can get any, anything like in Shawshank and you have all of these, you have all of these tropes came from this movie or like were popularized by this movie. And I fucking love it. And you got the first half of the movie where they're trying to escape. And then you got the second half where they're like, well, we did escape, but some asshole tripped over. So now they're all onto us. Well done, asshole with your giant briefcase. Why you have a giant briefcase for? You're you are exclusively responsible for everyone who got killed. You dick. <laughs> uh, so your explanation of movies. <laughs> yeah, um, this movie's fucking great. Uh, you have so who is the guy from Jurassic Park? Which guy? There are a lot of them. Sam the, Neill. The one that um is the professor with um that's the old guy that's like it'll be fine. I spared guy? no expense. Wait, you mean the guy who created Jurassic Park? Yeah. You mean the guy, the actor who played him or the yeah. actual character? The actor who played him. Oh, uh, uh, Richard Attenborough. Yes. 
So Richard Attenborough. Is in there. This. I thought you were talking about Sam Neill's character because he's kind of the main character. No, he wasn't. He was too young and sick. Um, so uh, Richard Attenborough plays Roger, and he's in this, and he's the uh, leader. He's the one that comes up with the plan. Or the Germans are like, "You, we will give you tools for gardening. We expect you to use them for gardening." And Roger and uh, Richard Attenborough is like, "Yes, I'll totally use them for gardening and not digging tunnels." And they're like, "Cool." All right, good talk. And they come up with um, and they come up with great ways to get rid of the dirt because the Germans check the dirt by kicking like a layer of dirt where they think that they would have buried them, and they do that. And they also measure dirt under the houses um, so that there's not anywhere to store them, and the only place they can store them is in the garden. So they store dirt in the garden by putting like sacks of dirt down their trousers and being like, "Yes, yes, cheerio, I'm British." Yes, good, good show, old chap, with your with your Britishness. Yes, got to got to be British and all that. Yes, hello. Meanwhile, they're lowering, um, they're releasing the dirt. This is so British. <laughs> like you have no idea. <laughs> okay, apparently do not. Everyone, like the way British people want soldiers to actually be, they're like, yeah, we'll make these characters that British, so they all speak properly even though, like, they definitely wouldn't. Like, probably the only one that would speak the way they speak is Richard Attenborough. The rest of them are like, I am also upper class, even though, like, I'm just a pilot. It's probably fine. And it's probably another American in this. I can't remember. The only American I remember well, is Steve McQueen. Wait a minute. Okay, so from what I understand, pilots back in the day were the upper class. Uh, no. I don't know about for Brits, but I'm pretty sure that's how it went for, like, the US. Like, you... Not just any old scrub could become a pirate. Uh, I just said pirate. <laughs> I meant pilot. Yeah, but like they, but it's not like one specific accent. It's that it's that upper class northern British accent. Like you yeah, be, wouldn't that have been the people that they made pilots? Uh, no, that's the people that they made uh, captains, but not pilots. Like mm. any, anyone so can be a pilot if you train enough. Pilots. It's uh, it's just the fact that it's just one specific voice. Just the mm-hmm prim and proper upper class voice that every British um, movie wants all Brit- British people to talk like, speak like. Um, I don't think the US, I don't think we have like an upper class accent. No, um, you guys have uh, Northern and Southern, but, but your movies are usually about the little guy, the common people uh, fighting a higher power. Yeah, no, I mean, like, in reality, like, in real life, I don't, I think we have, we don't have class accents, we have regional accents. Well, yeah, these British, the, the British um, accent that they use for high class is, like, northern accent. It is a regional accent that they use, but um, everyone associated that with upper class for decades. So, so like, um, if you wanted to be a news reporter, you had to speak with a specific cadence and a specific accent and you had to practice that in order to deliver um the news well we have a similar thing but with us to deliver the news you have to sound like you don't have an accent at all basically you have to sound like a california yeah um, so you can come from anywhere in the country you just can't sound like you came from anywhere in the country you have to sound like me (laughs) (laughs) uh exactly so um this is uh brilliant it's based on a true story it goes for way too long. Uh, <laughs> That's your favorite. And it's my favorite. 
Uh, right. So that was oh, uh, an interesting list. You should see The Great Escape. I'm giving you that as homework. Okay. It's funny that you're like, you bring that up like, oh, we talk about it all the time. And I'm like, I've heard of it. No, nobody really ever talks about it ever. Well, it's a British one. It's like Forrest Gump for you guys, whatever. Forrest Gump for us. All right. So I'm going to end on one. Um, and I'm going to say Joye Noel. Oh, yay! <laughs> so you've heard of it. I've seen yay! it. I love that movie. <laughs> uh, it's a film about the peace between these warring factions. Like, it's literally in war. There's a Christmas when through singing a song at Christmas time, they stop fighting for a day. Uh-huh. It was great. And then um, what I heard the story, how I heard the story being told was like, they kept, they fought after that day, but it's like, no, they already humanized them too much. So they got shipped off to other places. But this is one where it's just like, we just had a truce for like a day. And then- And it uh, wasn't like an organized truce. It was just the people that were fighting it was at Christmas time and they were like, hey, we all celebrate Christmas. Let's knock it off for a day and just chill and celebrate Christmas. And they came together and like, and you know, and celebrated together on the battlefield. And the problem was, like you said, they started to see each other as people and they didn't want to kill each other anymore. I adore that movie. Um... It's a great film. Of, it's a great film about war, about like the people fighting the war don't necessarily hate the people that they're killing. They've been trained to dehumanize them. Exactly. And this was the only time when they became humanized because as soon as uh, everyone else, the people that were training these soldiers heard about that, they're like, we, can, we cannot let this happen again. We have a war going on. Exactly. And, um, and it's, again, based on a true story. It yeah. actually happened. I, I adore this movie. I accidentally um, saw it without subtitles and I still got it. That's how well it got translated. And then I saw it with yeah. subtitles. I'm like, oh, that's what they were saying. But it, they... <laughs> then it was even better. <laughs> yeah. So I love this movie a lot. And I didn't put it on my list because I was going to save it for Christmas movies or something. Oh, well, I spoiled it because I don't do plans. That's fine. I don't care. But I. <laughs> now you can add a different Christmas movie to your list. Yeah. I've seen enough, I think. I don't You've know. seen at least four. I've seen at least five. <laughs> um. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm still thinking like, okay, we have five Christmas movies. I got to narrow it down to two and then try to figure out. <laughs> you know, you don't understand. I've seen like, uh, like 50 ones, but I've seen bad ones, like really bad ones that you see when you're I'm seven. I'm actually amazed that I've seen so many just because I'm such a, blah, I'm such a traditionalist that every single year I watch the exact same movies all over again. And by the way, just to throw this in, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. Doesn't matter that it takes place during Christmas. It's not a Christmas movie and Jeffrey Epstein didn't kill him. Okay. So just so we're clear, Die Hard is not a Christmas movie. Okay. So I'm going to cross that off the list. <laughs> um, and... I, you know what? I've, I will fight. Like I've already been on, on um, Instagram saying this and people are like, now nah, look, fight me. It is got, not a Christmas movie. I got, I got um, better things to fight about. <laughs> but yeah, so um, I'm glad. What I'm really glad about is that I had enough to talk about. <laughs> um, I, I didn't think that I'd have enough war movies, but then I realized that like my dad loves war movies. So by proxy, I've seen a lot. Ah. Um, For me, it was, well, 
coming up with them. I, I came up with, I had like six, and I've talked about all of them except for one, which just I'm going to throw in as an honorable mention, which was born on the 4th of July. I'm not going to talk about it, but that was the film. That was one of the films that I originally, but then I did Crimson Tide and, um, and uh, Jacob's Ladder instead. I actually, right as we were talking, I was like, yeah, I'm going to do Jacob's Ladder, and I totally threw out Warren Porter. Um, which, by the way, that was the first movie to me where it's like, oh, Tom Cruise actually can act. <laughs> it was. It's rare. Like, it, it, well, usually it's the he first plays movie Tom Cruise. Where, like, exactly. He usually plays Tom Cruise. And this is the first time where he was not Tom Cruise in a situation. He was a different character. So that's the first time when I was like, oh, look at that. He actually can act. So, yeah. Um, but that. <laughs> pretty much wraps it up because we're right at like two hours right uh yeah more or less um okay so let's do homework um you can watch the great escape that will be my homework Mm -hmm. and i think with uh, i've seen all the other the only movie that i have not seen was i I, there are two movies i didn't see which were sherlock holmes and the terror or the voice of terror and the great escape those are the only two that you mentioned that i hadn't seen out of those two, definitely watch The Great Escape. Sherlock Holmes is okay. a Sherlock Holmes movie. Um, you've already decided if you want to see it or not. Okay. So then for you, mm-hmm. you've seen Captain America Winter Soldier. Yeah. Um, That's you've about it. Seen... <laughs> no, you saw Forrest Gump. You've yep. also seen... Um... No, yeah, you're right. That was it. <laughs> that was... It was just, you've seen Captain America Winter Soldier and Forrest Gump. And Joy so for you, your homework is... Oh, and you've also seen Joy and Noel. That's right. Um, so your homework is G.I. Jane, okay. Crimson Tide, A Few Good Men, and Jacob's Ladder. Okay, so I'm I'm check if I can actually see Jacob's Ladder because if I can, I'm going to see that and I'm going to see A Few Good Men. At Make least. sure when you're looking for Jacob's Ladder, you look for 1990, not 2019. Got it. It's streaming. I'll be able to see it. Cool. What about A Few Good Men? Uh, is that a, uh, yep, I can see Jacob's Ladder and A Few Good Men. And Crimson Tide? Uh, that's also streaming, so I can see that. G.I. Jane? Uh, also streaming. Look at that! It's all good. We're good. Yeah. The first time you've been able to see everything I've listed. Hooray! Hurrah! Um, all right, so that will do it for this week of Cinematic Adventures with JP and Future Man. Any parting words, Future Man? Um, bring an umbrella for next Tuesday. An umbrella. And uh, why is that? <laughs> It's going to rain. I'm from the future. I know these things. Oh. Also, um... I mean, I am in Southern California, so I don't think it's going to rain again this year, but sure. <laughs> it rain for the sun, like, then. Today, it's like... Um, so this is... This was for uh, Veterans Day and Remembrance Day. Indeed. Um, and we like to give... Uh, like to thank all the soldiers that are currently working and have um, been... Uh, in service at the past and um, we hope that this was a good way to celebrate um, at least fictional soldiers. Indeed. Mm. So uh, I second that. So for Remembrance Day for is, it's for your whole continent, isn't it? Uh, it's for the Commonwealth. So England, New Zealand, oh, Australia. Oh, the whole Commonwealth. Mm-hmm. Oh, so it's a whole, whole all of you guys thing, not just Australia and New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, Anzac Day is for oh, okay. Australia and New Zealand. The um, Remembrance Day is for everyone. And it, it oh, okay. started with World War One. We added World War Two, and then everyone's just like, I don't want to keep adding wars. So it's just for any soldier. 
that um, serves our military. So that's what UK, Australian continent, and who else? All of the other millions of countries that the UK has taken over. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> and then for Veterans Day in the U.S. So uh, thanks to vets, my dad is one of them. My brother-in-law as well, and both of my grandparents or grandfathers, I should say. My um my grandparents met during World War Two. She was a nurse, and he was a pilot. Interesting. Ooh. Uh, Interesting that your grandparents met during World War Two when. My parents were born during World War II. Yeah, my uh, <laughs> my dad, my was, dad born was born in the beginning, and my mom was born at the end. Uh, but my dad was very narrowly he narrowly escaped going to Vietnam. Not necessarily escaped, but he was he was on a boat that was he was in the um, the Navy. He was on a boat that was supposed to be sent to Vietnam, and then at the last minute, orders were changed. Well, that's good, I guess. Yeah. Um, I don't really know much about Vietnam, but I'll do research, I promise. <laughs> well, you'll okay. learn more about it once you watch Jacob's Ladder. I mean, that's fair enough. Uh, what about our social medias? What do we have now? Yes. So join us on, um, if you want to talk to Daniel, basically, uh, Twitter, Cinema Adventures Pod, or at Cinema Adventures Pod. You want to talk to JP, then Instagram, Cinema Adventures Pod. If you want to talk to either one of us, or both of us, then we have a Facebook page, Cinematic Adventures Podcast. Uh, links for all that will be in the description. Uh, Indeed. And next week, we are going to do movies we thought that we wouldn't like, um, but ended up liking, or something like that. I'll think of a better title, but that's the general idea. And by then, I will be ready to discuss current movies again, because I will hopefully have seen Jojo Rabbit, and I'll talk about the movie I saw this week, which was last Excellent. Indeed. Until so, then. Until then. Goodbye. Sweet.